distance balls. Sure, they go far, but do they do anything else? The new ERC Soft does. Callaway completely reinvented the way a distance ball performs. Engineered with a new, fast, hybrid cover and a graphene-infused dual soft-fast core, it's a new kind of distance ball, one that actually feels soft and spins more. And once you're on the green, ERC Soft's triple track technology will help you dial in your alignment. Get Callaway's longest ball with soft feel today at callawaygolf.ca. Canada's party leaders took to the stage in Gatineau Monday for the official leaders debate. Mr. Trudeau, you are a phony and you are a fraud and you do not deserve to govern this country. From the Rockies to the Bay of Fundy, Conservative premiers have gotten elected on promises to do nothing on climate change and we need a strong federal government to fight them. To what we have here is Mr. Trudeau and Mr. Scheer arguing about who's worse for Canada. Please God you don't get a majority this time. The other leaders on this stage are globalists. And despite some lively back and forth, the leaders failed to land any kind of fatal blows on their opponents. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. National Post columnist Chris Selly walks us through what happened and why the debate was a disappointment. Don't forget you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen, and please leave us a rating and a review. Audio of the debate, courtesy the Canadian Debate Production Partnership. So, Chris, you and I are talking right now, not long after the debate ended. You watched the entirety of the debate. I'm just curious, what are your initial thoughts after the leaders went at it? That I'd be very curious to know what percentage of people who even started watching it finished watching it because it was <laughs> pretty unbearable. Uh, and at no point did really any leader seem to score any significant points against the other ones. I mean, a lot of people seem to be pleased, including New Democrats, with Jagmeet Singh's performance. And I was sort of asking people on Twitter, you know, what, what was it about his performance? Because I, I thought it was good, but I didn't see anything that particularly impressive. And people said, oh, he, he seemed human. Like, he wasn't talking like a robot. My question is this. Why do you keep letting down the people that voted for you? I thought, well, yeah. I mean, that's true. It, Jagmeet Singh does talk like a regular human being. That is one of his strengths. But um, that's for a pretty low bar for what is supposed to be a, uh, a significant exercise in Canadian democracy. And that would be considered a success if he talked like a robot when he talked other times, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but he is, he's, a, he he's is a, a normal human being, like relatively yes. speaking, by politician standards. This is, yeah, this is not a lot to ask from him. Uh, he's a relatable guy. He, he, he talks in complete sentences. He's at ease in his own skin. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, that, that's nothing, nothing less than you would expect from Jagmeet Singh. Um, so I'm not quite sure why so many new Democrats are, are so happy about this because yeah, he scored, he scored some points against Justin Trudeau, you know, because Justin Trudeau in his formulation is the guy who says he's going to do all these progressive things and then doesn't. And it's a good case. Do you think it's more, more a case that kind of over the course of the debate, he seemed like he was relying on talking points the least I mean, he did have a lot of lines that he repeated, especially uh, make the super rich pay more or make them pay their more of their share or their fair share. He repeated that a lot. But for the most part, when it came to actually kind of talking and answering questions from the moderators or the people in the audience, that it was a a, a sense that he was less scripted. I think, I think that's certainly true. I think he came off as less scripted, uh, certainly than Trudeau and Sheer. I mean, Elizabeth May always does well 
just just from a purely sort of knowing her brief, be, being able to to really give it to all the other candidates um, on their lack of ambition when it comes to climate change. I mean, she always does well in these in these uh, circumstances. But of, of the sort of traditional big three, yes, I think that's right. He was he came off as the least scripted, whereas you know Andrew Shear started off right at the beginning with a scripted line that could have that could have come at any point in the debate where, where he, he basically said that, you know, blackface is just one of the masks that Justin Trudeau wears. It was a pretty, it was a pretty vicious line. Not, 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 um, not unwarranted in my view, mm-hmm. but it was so scripted. I, I wonder if it might've fallen a little bit flat. And then Justin Trudeau obviously has his, his lines about the comparison between his approach to taxing the rich and, and Andrew Scheer's approach to taxing the rich. The way I have uh, worked for Canadians is around investing in them, unlike the vision that you're putting forward of giving tax breaks that help people who are making $400,000 a year, uh, $400,000 a year, more than someone making $40,000 a year. You said you'd be interested to know how many people watched it all the way through. Why is that? What is it about the debate that made you think that people might have been tuning out? You know, this is not the first debate to, by any means, to devolve into just total crosstalk uh, and people just talking over each other. And and that happened during the uh, segment that was nominally, very nominally on indigenous issues, quote unquote, indigenous issues, as if they're a completely Mm -hmm. separate package of things um, than all the other issues um, where you basically had at least two at one point, uh, at any one time, at least two leaders talking literally over each other constantly. And at one point, I think it was that segment where you, you actually had Jagmeet Singh and I think it was Maxine Bernier literally conducting a, a side debate. So you had four <laughs> leaders talking at once. And, and I mean, you know, I don't know how many people watch these debates. I don't know what it is they expect when they tune in, but I mean, you know, it is only, it was only out of professional obligation that I wasn't turning off <laughs> the television. I mean, I I'm interested in this and you could tell just by looking, just by looking and listening that nothing edifying uh, or, or, or groundbreaking or particularly interesting was going to come out of this. On the, the idea of all this crosstalk, do you, do you feel it was a case that the moderators, some of whom who were experienced at doing this and, and others who may not have had previous experience doing televised debates or moderating televised debates that, some may have been reluctant to dive in. I noticed that Rosemary Barton from the CBC at the end really wasn't having any of the crosstalk and she yeah. was really kind of kind of laying the hammer down, but it seemed to be hit or miss through the evening. The problem was the format. I don't think there was anything a moderator could do because if you look at what Rosemary Barton did and, and she did very well. We could shut everything That's it, down. Mr. Sheer. I'm dropping the hammer coming to the end of the show, Ms. May. But it was so, to, to in order to do very well, it had to be so clipped so cut off, she had to intervene so often and so forcefully to say, all right, well, that, that's the end of that, you know, 28 seconds of debate. Now we have to go to this person. Now we have to go to that person. It was such a complicated format. And you could see it at, at some point. I mean, Susan Delacour was, was struggling to, to, to remember, you know, when was open debate and when was one-on-one. And I, I can't blame her. I've been in that position and it's, it's nerve wracking and it's such a complicated format. And you have six leaders, only four of whom had any business being on stage in, in any English language leaders would make that makes any sense at all. And so I think the format was just doomed from the start. We, we would constantly have these, these one-on-ones between, you know, Oh, here's Elizabeth May versus Jugmeet Singh on bill 21. Like what? That's not a useful segment. And, and I, but I understand you have to do it that way. 
if you're going to treat all the six leaders as equal. But that's a, that's a, just a silly way to run a debate. Who, in your mind, shouldn't have been there? Well, I mean, Yves Francois Blanchet, the Bloc Quebecois leader, sh- shouldn't be there. And and but at least that you know baked into the tradition of the quote-unquote official Canadian debates that the Bloc Québécois leader attends the English language debate, even though he has no interest in talking about anything except Quebec Quebec issues. And in this case, we have not one but two debates that are in the French language and will be devoted exclusively to French issues. Maxime Bernier, I mean, you know, I think it was defensible uh, for the Leaders' Debate Commission to invite him based on the criteria that the Liberal government gave the commission, it said that they had to have a reasonable chance of winning at least, I think it was uh, at least two ridings, and they conducted some polling, and it showed that, that it was possible. So that's not necessarily the Leaders' Debate Commission's fault. But I mean, you know, these, you know, the Leaders' Debate Commission was supposed to address some of these longstanding problems and make a better debate format, and instead they made the worst I've ever seen. Um, there's no reason, you know, there's, there's no... Like, like, what does Yves Francois Blanchet even get out of being in that debate? I mean, he, he's not running in the rest of Canada, and most of Quebec probably isn't watching. It's, it's just silly. Do you think it's a case of allowing too much free debate when you have that many leaders as being a big problem? I don't want to get too much in the weeds on the process of the debate. I want to talk about the leaders a little bit, but it, it just seems like you're inviting shouting matches between six adults in which no one can hear anything. Yeah, I mean, that's always the risk, but at least in open debate, the people who tend to sort of seize the baton are the most interesting. Um, like the, the, the discussions that tend to develop are the most interesting ones because um, the people who really disagree with each other, the, the leaders who disagree with each other the most have every incentive to, to grab hold of it. And the ones, you know, like Bernier and, and especially Blanchet, who, who have no interest in some of these issues can just sit back and and at least then we're not having the moderator say, okay, well, Monsieur Blanchet, you, you can ask, you know, you can now debate Elizabeth May on an issue, which just doesn't make any sense. I, I don't I don't think it's necessarily a problem with too much open debate. I just think that that it's trying to do too much. Um, six leaders, two hours, five moderators, five different sort of supposed topics, each of which kind of blended together. It's it's just it's just always going to be a mess, and and I think it's always going to be a mess so long as the the sort of default position is we're only going to have two debates, one in English and one in French, and in this case we got another one in French, which is just bizarre. There needs to be more, or else the one official one has to sort of I think pare down its ambition and only talk about a few issues and not five. I mean, healthcare wasn't even an official issue in in, in this debate that's mind-boggling foreign policy wasn't even an issue they talked about leadership and canada's role but they didn't get into very many specifics about foreign policy and the liberal government's record on foreign policy or what the conservatives would do i know elizabeth may when it andrew Scheer related to his uh foreign aid proposed foreign aid cuts but overall there wasn't really a fulsome debate on Canada's role on the world stage, and there wasn't a big debate on healthcare, and there wasn't a big debate on energy policy. It was all kind of wrapped into climate change and relationships between the provinces and kind of more concepts rather than issues. Well, and it, and it gave, you know, it, it gave the broadcasters 
some good clips that they can use, which is basically the only reason why the, the broadcasters ever even tolerated um, broadcasting these debates in the past. And again, I come back to the Leaders Debate Commission that was supposed to come up with new formats that that, that would you know address all these problems. They went around the country and had consultations with people and said, "Hey, you know, what do you want in debate? What what are the problems? What do we need to fix?" And they came with. They they literally reinvented the wheel, except that there were more leaders and more moderators. I, I it's it's just it was still run by the by the big broadcasters. They just added in some more media uh, companies to to, to 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 sort of make it an even bigger committee of people deciding how to do this. I just I it, it was just a complete failure, you know. And 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 I I can't get over the fact that the reason that this whole process was put into place was to sort of solve what was supposedly a problem in 2015 when we had six debates and that was supposedly a problem and the liberals said oh this 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 won't do because because Stephen Harper you know is picking and choosing which one he's he's going to well I mean all the leaders pick and choose which one they go to Justin yeah. Trudeau didn't go to the McLean's one this year it, it, it was this solution to a problem that didn't exist and it made everything worse it's it's maddening now, looking at the leaders and kind of how they fared, you know, Justin Trudeau has had kind of a rough ride in this election. Uh, the blackface scandal, there's been questions about uh, candidates and their records. What did he have riding on the debate? And and was he able to come out unscathed uh, and fending off attacks on his government's record? I think he probably did. Uh, to the extent that it matters. Like, I mean, I think Elizabeth May absolutely landed some punches to the extent that, you know, Justin Trudeau walks around talking about being the climate change champion when his plan, even if he achieves his plan, it won't reach the emissions targets that uh, the IPCC says are necessary to, fave, to, to, to fend off, you know, global catastrophe. And so it's, it's, it's an objectively ridiculous decision for him to be walking around with the, you know, boasting of his plan uh, and criticizing other people's plans as being too ambitious, Elizabeth Mays and Jagmeet Singh specifically, when, you know, he, he'll march in a, in a giant protest in, in, in Montreal saying that the very future of the planet is at stake. And Elizabeth May very effectively calls him out on that. He says his targets are, are a recipe for failure uh, and he won't even reach them. Of climate but change your goal is, is a target for failure. Um, and then you have, I thought, you know, uh, Andrew Shear right off the top, you know, gave this very clearly scripted line about how uh, blackface is just one of the masks that Justin Trudeau wears, whether it's feminism or, or indigenous right reconciliation. Yeah, and you know, it was a pretty, it was a pretty savage line. He puts on a feminist mask and then fires two strong female MPs for not going along with his corruption. He puts on a middle-class mask and then raises taxes on middle... It works on paper, but it was so scripted, I think it might have fallen flat. The, the, look, the fact is that most Canadians... Well, maybe not most, but uh, certainly a critical mass of Canadians really enjoy the sort of muddling through um, centrism that the Liberal Party of Canada has always offered, you know, talking a big game... And then when it comes down to it, saying, well, you know, that's going to cost a lot of money. So let's just do, let's just kind of do half measures. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll fix all those boil water advisories in eight years. That's reasonable instead of five. And, and I mean, yeah, okay. We're, you know, we're not going to meet our climate change targets, but it's the best, it's the best climate change plan that Canada's ever had. So what do you want? 
So <laughs> I, I, I think he had, I think he did do fine. Like, I, I just don't think there was a lot of risk for him in this debate because that's at this point, if you're interested in voting for Justin Trudeau, that's really what you're interested in is just the typical liberal mushy middle brand. Moving on to Andrew Scheer, the conservative leader, I think going into this campaign, there was a big question mark for a lot of voters uh, when it came to Andrew Scheer, not quite sure kind of who he was or what he was all about. Uh, the party tried to deal with some of that in the advance of the election campaign, uh, releasing their climate plan way back in June. Did Scheer succeed in not only kind of reintroducing himself to Canadians, but also appearing as someone who could be prime minister in two weeks. Yeah. I, I, I think he did pretty well attacking Trudeau, especially on the question of, you know, uh, SNC Lavalin. Mr. Trudeau, you broke ethics laws twice. You interfered in an ongoing criminal court proceeding. You shut down parliamentary investigations into your corruption. And I thought he did very well. I mean, there was this idea, supposedly, that having Bernie in the debate would be a real disadvantage. Mr. That's Bernie, only your role 6%, on this stage tonight seems 6%. to be to say publicly what Mr. Scheer thinks privately. No. And I don't think it worked out that way at all. Uh, I, I think that he looked every, it, it gave him a chance to, you know, talk about how pro-immigration he was. Uh, mm -hmm. It gave a chance to, to, it gave a chance to really sort of big up the, the, the progressive side of the conservative spectrum and, and to give a more realistic account uh, of what they're offering, uh, imperfect as it is, than you're going to get when the liberals uh, when, when you're trying to counter the liberal message on it, because you've got Maxine Bernier, who's just this ridiculous figure who has, as she pointed out in a, in a, in a nice moment, you know, A, used to be a separatist, B, used to be the guy who was handing out uh, corporate welfare on behalf of the conservative government as, as industry mm -hmm. minister, um, just made him look ridiculous and I think made Sheer look like a, like a sane conservative by contrast. And I think Trudeau, I think one of the... I mean, tr liberal partisans obviously loved it, but I thought one of the lower points for Trudeau was this total cheap shot where he basically said that, you know, the difference between Scheer and Bernier is, is that Bernier says out loud what Scheer only thinks. And I suspect most sort of dispassionate viewers would, would, would have seen that as, as just a total, uh, as total nonsense because Scheer looked calm and, and centrist and, and thoughtful and considered, whereas Bernier just sounds ridiculous and we'll just spend mm -hmm. most of the most of the night interrupting people and uh, i mean some some of the funniest segments of it were were eve uh, francois blanchet sort of counting down the number of seconds <laughs> of, of his own time that that uh, bernie was wasting um that, that there was supposed to be his time and bernie just kept talking and talking and talking so yeah i thought sure had a pretty good night now we're still two weeks away from actual voting day do you think that the debate has that kind of uh, indelibility that will stick around as as people go to the polls on election day, or or is there still too much campaigning ahead uh, to really see how uh, this could have an impact down the line? I mean, I, I didn't see anything in this debate that would turn anything on its head. You know, the way the famous, if you think of a sort of famous, supposedly game-changing debate moments, you had an option, sir, things like that. Yeah. There was nothing about that in here. 
you know, there wasn't even anything as sort of uh, damaging as during the TVA debate when Andrew Shearer revealed that Justin Trudeau was flying around with two planes. In in hindsight, I'm not sure why he wouldn't save that for this <laughs> uh, for this debate. I think it would have had a, a, a potentially a, a bigger a bigger impact. But no, I, I I don't see. I mean, you know, there's there's some good clips in there for every leader. I mean, Elizabeth May had that great line about your. your to Trudeau, that your, your target is a commitment to failure. That's why it's so doable about uh, emissions targets, you know, because that, that yeah. is Trudeau, Trudeau's line, ambitious but doable. And and yet they still don't even have a plan to do it, at least not one they're willing, <laughs> willing to share with us. Chris, uh, thanks for your time. Thank you. 10.3 is produced by Carson Jarama. Additional production from Chris Gallipo. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, National Post columnist Chris Selly. More from him at nationalpost.com. Audio courtesy, the Canadian Debate Production Partnership. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. <laughs>